0: Good morning, morning. it's a blessing to see you all and so thankful to be here, thankful for the Lord's timing, it was the day for us to be here, it's the day for us to be here together and so, so grateful that God has made it possible, already been so encouraged by so many of you just out in the lobby or coming in and the warmth here, the family atmosphere as a, a church, a body of believers, children of God. And felt that immediately, and thank you all very much for the warmth and the welcome. We're, we're thrilled to be here. Now you folks know a little more about trials, physical trials, than a lot of churches. And as that last song said, by God's sovereign will, sometimes he or- <laughs> ordains suffering. And that's, that's actually what we're going to look at this morning. What do we do with suffering? as a believer you know there are lots of churches many of them on television that will say if you're God's child you'll be healthy and you'll be wealthy and something's wrong with me on both counts I I am a child of God but not healthy or wealthy so what do we do with it as believers when God brings shadows into our life that we didn't anticipate we would not have asked for but he said, this is right. How do we handle that? What do we do with it? And how do we keep moving forward? That's, that's what the Lord has laid on my heart for this morning. And we read in Acts 9, Acts 14, Paul, as he's called into the work of Christ, after Ananias arrives, what is it that God has told Ananias to say? Tell him how great things he must suffer. For my name. So even from the fledgling moments of Paul's salvation, coming to Christ, part of the message to him about the message he would be delivering is that he was going to preach the message of Christ, the name of Christ, through suffering. And we know that, right? From Paul's life, five times he received 39 stripes. And that was... Punishment in the synagogues, the Jewish punishment. And then three times beaten with rods. That's the Gentiles who didn't like him. The Jews didn't. The Gentiles didn't. He was stoned once, threatened with stoning, multiple times. He was in three shipwrecks. I mean, that's got most of us beat, right? (laughs) (laughs) Three shipwrecks. And that doesn't even count the final voyage and shipwreck in Acts 27. So it's a total of four. I mean, that's rough, right? And Paul went through all of those things. And he was threatened for the name of Christ. He was stoned for the name of Christ. And then in Lystra, where we read, after he's stoned, he gets up, he goes forward to the next place that God had called him to minister. And then after that, he comes back to Lystra, where he was stoned, to Iconium, where they wanted to stone him, but they escaped, To Antioch, where it says they wanted to kill him. So he goes back to each of those places that didn't want him. And he went there because the people of God needed to hear something. What did they need to hear? Look in Acts 14. We'll start in verse 21. We'll read 21 and 22. So as they went back to these fledgling churches in cities where they had been persecuted, it says in verse 21, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And it says here, what were they doing? They were strengthening the souls of the disciples and they were encouraging them. All right, so encouragement. That's a shot in the arm, right? That's go guys. But read what else it says. Encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Is that an encouraging message? I mean, that's not what we would say. I want to hear more of. But God had called them to strengthen, to encourage these new believers about the fact that we go through many sufferings, and notice it's not just a suffering, many tribulations, and we do that because, oh, and the result is, it is meant to help us continue in the faith. So that's what we do with suffering. It isn't an end. It's just a part of the ordained pathway that God has. And when we suffer, no matter how minor, no matter how major, God's will for us is that we not crumple under the suffering. That we don't turn from God and say, this is what I wanted, God and reject Him. But that we continue in the faith So that's what we're going to look at this morning. And starting with the problem of pain, okay, this is not going to be a theological. There's a whole realm of theology called theodicy, where you try to justify God being sovereign and yet they're being evil. All right, that's theodicy. We're not going to do that today. This is more of a scriptural and experiential study of what a Christian does when suffering. And we're not alone are we? And Think through, let's start with biblical characters. There's Job. A whole book and huge losses that would never be replaced. You can't get those ten children back. Some of those things would never be replaced fully. Then you have Joseph. His own family members sells him into slavery. And for 13 years from the time he is taken away until he becomes, his brothers come when he was 30. So he was taken at 17. 13 years later, at 30, is where God brings it all together. Here's what I was doing. And for that time, he didn't know. But what did he do? He continued in the faith. He didn't walk out on God. He didn't abandon God because of the, the trials. Hezekiah had a carbuncle. Epaphroditus was severely sick, even to the point of death. So that Paul had to send messages to say he's okay. We know you were troubled about it, but Epaphroditus is okay now. Timothy, often infirmities, stomach issues. Paul, we've read about all those issues. And then, of course, what do you do with Christ? Perfect. He didn't deserve suffering. He completely kept the will of God, the word of God. And yet his whole purpose for coming was to suffer and die in our place. So, if, you know, first of all, I don't know what those other churches with the health and wealth, I don't know what they do with these biblical characters, including Christ. (laughs) But then think through the history of the church. Okay, Paul was specially chosen. The Lord used him to write more books of the New Testament than any other author of the New Testament. So he was special. And many in the past that God has chosen for great ministry... He took through great trial. Martin Luther. He had stomach issues. He had gallstones. He had kidney attacks. He had an open sore on one of his legs for 13 years. And he often had dizzy spells in the pulpit. (laughs) That he just, you know, had to sit down. There was John Calvin. He had stomach disorders, intestinal disorders. He had migraines. He had gout. He had colic, he had arthritis, gallstones, kidney stones. He was often bedridden, and during his later years of ministry, he had to be carried to work to minister. Okay, so another one that God took through great trials, suffering, even though he was greatly used by God. Mary Newton, John Newton's wife, was sick most of her married life. In the last year, she had breast cancer, and then it spread to her back, her spine, And in the last months of her life, four people had to come to help her turn over on the bed. And it would take an hour to do so because of the pain she was suffering. Charles Spurgeon, we know what he went through. He had painful gout. He had depressive episodes. He had to get away to the warm climate in France on the coast. And yet so greatly used. And still today when you read or hear... One of his messages recounted is just always goes to the heart. The Lord used that man too. Amy Carmichael, she broke her left leg and was an invalid the last 20 years of her missionary. You know, she was out there to serve God. And for 20 years, she had this broken leg and the the injury that went on, she was an invalid for all that time. And I know I'm talking to people, Lyme, uh, fibromyalgia diabetes cancer very few of our families and our lives aren't touched by those and where is god in all of that what do you do with it the thing god wants us to do with it is what it says in acts 14 22, to continue in the faith there will be many tribulations so don't be surprised christian but when it comes continue and let me just share a little bit dad has shared a, a good bit about it already our afflictions and I say this because my afflictions are light when I was in treatment I saw people whose afflictions were so much worse than mine I know people around us whose afflictions are so much greater so I'm not saying this is you know we're, no could have been God was merciful to me, to us October 12th, 2020 is a day I'll never forget woke up sat up, tried to stand up, and immediately just fell back onto the bed. I had incredible vertigo. vertigo. And I don't know, how many, how many of you have been through vertigo? Or have, okay. it's It messes up <laughs> everything about that day, doesn't it? I mean, there were days I had to crawl to the bathroom and then crawl back to the bed. It was like being in a, if you took a rowboat out into a hurricane, and that's what it feels like. The whole world is... Spinning. You have to put your arms on the bed to make sure that you're not moving like your mind tells you you're moving. So that was, that was October, November, December, went to every doctor, um, you know, ENTs, figure out if it's vestibular or what. And after two months, they said, we think it's your gallbladder. And I mean, I was, I was only holding down maybe one meal a day because of the, the nausea from the vertigo. And that was two months later. And he said, okay, so it may be your gallbladder. I was like, please, just take it. If it can, you know, any, any other things you want to take that'll help? Um, and so they took out the gallbladder, and for like three days with the, the post-surgical pain relievers, the symptoms weren't there, and I thought, oh, thank the Lord. And then fourth day, it started building again and, and right back to it. And then March, the, Lord, the joint pain, chronic fatigue, other things that just you, you know you feel basically useless, and that was March, April. Some of the migraines started in May. It, you know it was just it was one thing after another, and these these symptoms keep adding up. And the doctors tried to keep figure out the symptoms, but none of them had any idea what's symptoms. And so it was doctor to doctor to doctor from 2010, and it got to the point in 2013. I, I literally could not do the thing that God had called me to. And it was a horrible, hardest decision I've ever had to make. But God made it clear. I couldn't do what I needed to do because of what he had allow, allowed. And so, just said, you know, it's better for the ministry for me to decide, aside and Lord, hopefully to heal if they can ever figure it out. And so, it was, as Dad said, from... 2014 when i stepped down it was another two years before a doctor finally said oh this is probably lyme disease because it has all these different symptoms and thank the lord (laughs) you know it was worth waiting six years just to hear here's what it is because that lack of diagnosis was probably the hardest thing that we dealt with and so i mean think about it when you're ill so many things change don't they I mean, family relationships, when you're not able to be at the table. That hurts. That hurts your family. That hurts you. When you're not able to do other things. you know. For, for me, it was going from a super fulfilling ministry that I was loving, the students, the faculty, staff, the opportunities to minister. And God took from, from that active ministry into disability, as Dad shared, that I still can't do anything scheduled because I have no idea when pain is going to come in the day. It went from my wife having part-time work to suddenly having to work full-time because I wasn't. It went from, you know, full-time salary to losing even the intermediate disability insurance that I had. The insurance company looked at it and said, oh, no, we're not paying it. I've been paying for it for years for just this opportunity. Um, And here's a very first-world problem. From two cars to one car and an old car everything is gone you've invested everything into treatment and doctors and supplements and anything else, spices people will recommend, I mean people were sending stuff from South America, from India and really I would try everything once because you're, you're just desperate to feel better And but that wasn't what the Lord had until the fall of 2016 went through the treatment, the Lyme disease the big issues were resolved and now it's just the migraines that are they're still around and the doctors say they, they may go around away like they started or they're here for life and prepared either way and by God's grace want to continue in the faith either way and I trust you do too with the, the suffering the trials that he's given you so that's the problem of pain the provisions for pain You know, when we go into darkness, we don't go alone. And we don't go unblessed, do we? Because we're still God's children. And even when he's allowing hard things, and even if those hard things, not all of them are related to chastening, but sometimes they might be. But even when we do deserve chastening, and he chastens, there's a heart of love from which it flows. And he never leaves us alone. And he always keeps showering us with the goodness of a heavenly father who is in his essence A, he's sovereign, B, he's good Amen. through and through. So what are some of his provisions? Prayer. You know, I did more praying, lying on a bed with my arms outstretched to hold still than I ever had before. And it was a desperate prayer. It wasn't that last minute we, ru- as we're running to the car or something or running from the car to church, I pray Lord bless. You know, it was a crying out but God has told us, do that. Cry out. In Psalm twenty-two, twenty-four, it says that he, God, hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. <laughs> he heard our afflictions. He doesn't move away from us when we're afflicted. He is right there. And he tells us, cry out. He is near to us. In Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So in a sense, there's this this proximity, this closeness of God that we have when we are broken in spirit that we don't have and don't need to lean on as much when we're fine and healthy and things are clicking along like we probably would have liked so god gives us the the opportunity of prayer and the promise that he hears another provision and and these do they start internally and they kind of radiate outward to remind us he is near and we can and should continue in the faith some of the blessings my wife you know immediately we had we had in 1994 (laughs) we had stood at an altar and said for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And I think both of us thought that we would have health and easier times longer than the 15, first 15 years of our marriage. But as soon as the Lord stepped in and he did this thing in our lives, you know, she has been incredible. She's my hero <laughs> because immediately she stepped up, she doubled the amount of time she was working. She was doing being mother and dad many times, if I couldn't be at the table, which is more often than not. She was going to events that she wouldn't want to go by herself, but she said, you know what? We're supposed to be there, and you can't do it. I'll be there. And just thing after thing that she did that I would have never asked, but God laid that on her heart and has given her the strength and the grace to do it. And you know let me put another plug in with scripture don't marry an unbeliever because could not function without a godly wife who's close to him he's sustaining her and giving her exactly what she needs and through her giving to me so much that I need that I again I never would have asked the kids you know the the biggest blessing I think of not being working Many hours a day was seeing the kids when they came home, which usually it was like three, four hours till, from the time they get home until I get home. But to be there with them, to see the, the big things, the small things in their life, to hear them talk about their teachers, you know my, my youngest was five years old when I got sick. He really doesn't remember me healthy. Then we had an, a seven-year-old and 11-year-old. They're now 24, 20 and 18. So there's a lot of stuff that, that they didn't get because of what was going on in my life. And yet, they were such a blessing. Their sense of humor, their prayers. I mean, My youngest son, still many times when he prays, before a meal, he'll say, Lord, help Dad to get better. And you know what? I have to admit, I don't ask anymore to get better. Because I, it just seems like this is it. That the Lord's ha- Lord has. But every time he does it, it's just the dart to my heart. Lord, thank you for my kids, the blessing of their lives, and their prayers, as, as well as every. my parents helped in so many practical ways. My mom set up a, a medicine account, and she put like $30 into it every paycheck, which was, le- and pastor, everybody knows this is not a cheap way to go when you're loading up a drawer or a shelf with supplements and medicines that you have to have just to function. Um, Yeah, I mean, just amazing uh, what you experience. Uh, My parents, that's what I was saying, sorry. My parents were always there. They were helping practically. And and when the opportunity to go to Arizona for treatment, we didn't know where the money's coming from when we left. And they said, you know, it's going to be about $70,000. And mom and dad went to them and said, what should we do? We don't have $70,000. And they said, go. And the Lord will work it out. And he did, largely through other people, who, who gave, and have been a blessing ever since through their kindness, and that's the, the third blessing. So, we, th- some of the blessings, the provisions for suffering are prayer, their family, they're also the family of believers. Like this, you know, we don't live alone in the community of faith, do we? And even as a family, we don't. But this is where we live with a family of believers. And when you're sick, you see some things in them and from them that you never would have realized. The people who send you encouraging notes. And I have a bag full of notes that God sent just on time. Even at some of the darkest moments, there was a word from somebody. And usually, you know, I, I didn't really need some of the things teaching me what I knew or catchphrases. I needed scripture, and I needed prayer. And some of the best cards were just, Stephen, the Lord put you on our mind, I'm praying, here's a verse. And those were the gold. So many people did things like that with encouraging words, divine provision. And somebody. There were teachers in our kids' lives who ministered to our kids because they realized I wasn't ministering to my kids as much as I would have wanted. There was a teacher who would give our daughter, she wasn't even in her classes, but would give her Chick-fil-A gift cards so that she could do something special. You know, and we never thought of that. We never anticipated it. Another friend, we had got, graduated from high school together. She's a believer. Her husband had brain cancer. And yet, in the one day in the mail, we get this box from her and her two children, knowing that her husband's probably going to die fairly soon and she had gone to dollar store and picked up little toys and put a bag for each kid and when she did it as the kids pulled stuff out God's hands were all over it God's fingerprints by God's grace with his help he led her to just the stuff that Campbell our youngest wanted just the thing I mean it was amazing Um, God's provision and again it's the the little things from my wife for my kids, uh, that, that God did. And He did it through the family of faith. So again, God has, we're not alone. He gives us the avenue of prayer to use. He gives us the provision of Christian families. He gives us the, the blessing of the family of believers. And then, and this is not, again, it's not in this, any certain order, He gives us His word. That's the lifeline to continue in the faith. Okay, He drives us to prayer. He surrounds us with all these other blessings. But he gives us his word, and we can search it. We can go to it. We can go to the Psalms when we're discouraged to be encouraged. We can go to the journeys of Paul. We can go to the life of Job, the life of Joseph. God has given us a resource. And it's not human. It's inspired. It came from the mind of God. And he protected it as he was inspiring the the scripture writers so that what we have is what God wanted us to have. And it comes from his heart. And we have, when we suffer, we have God's word in our hands. And let me just share some of the verses. And if, if you are suffering, or if you want to prepare for it, because through many sufferings, we go through the, to the kingdom of God. Isaiah forty-one thirteen. For I, the Lord thy God, hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And there have been many times I will just close my right hand and repeat this verse and know he is that close. The Lord our God holds our right hand, saying unto us, fear not, I will help thee. Isaiah 43, when thou passest through the waters, what? I with thee. He doesn't stand on the bank and shout encouragement. You know, keep going, two more feet. He's not. He is in the waters. With us, when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned; neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That's what God has given us, and we find it in His Word that He's provided for us. So God is near, all right. That enables us to continue in the faith. God is good; that allows us to continue in the faith. Two two passages here: Psalm eighty four eleven. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold. So what does that mean about the way I feel today? It was a good thing. Because if it hadn't, he would have withheld it. We know that God is good. It comes from his heart. And he gives us everything that we need. And Romans 8.32, He that spared his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he, God, not with Christ, also give us all things? All right, let me pause for just a second. So, if God loved us enough when we were his enemies to give us his Son, that's the best thing in eternity. Jesus Christ the redemption that we have in him, and He went through suffering for us, and if God has given us His best, how will He not also give us every good thing? You know, he 's shown us his love let me let me use this illustration i 'm a car guy, and I most enjoy cars i can 't ever afford yes. um, so let's say there's a guy who works all his life he 's pretty much a miser. He put stuff away, but he put it away because he wanted, from the time he started working at 18, 22, whatever, he said, you know what, I want to work hard, I want to save a lot, and when I retire, the next morning I want to get up and I want to go to the Mercedes dealership and have enough cash for an S-Series. All right, so we're talking $115,000 or so. And so he does, he works hard, he goes, and he's got this thing that he has loved for so long, it's been in his mind. He's driven it in his mind. He's thought of it in his mind. He looks at every speck about this car because it was what he wanted. So he goes to the Mercedes dealership. He plops down this bag of cash. He gets in. He sits in the car. And it has it, it has like a power door assist. So if you're too weary from earning all that money, you know all you do is click it and then it pulls the door. Who, who knew which people needed that? But so he lets, the, he lets the little thing pull closed he sits there in the leather interior and he smells it you know there's wood there's leather not vegan leather but leather leather I mean, it's, it, it smells like a library you know and he hits the button and the V12 roars to life he drives it carefully all the way home this is his baby he parks it in the new garage he's built for his baby closes the door goes walking around all the lines the lights and then he goes in the corner and he picks up a sledgehammer and he comes over and he's just banging, banging on the metal banging on the glass shattering you know would he do that let me ask you that anybody who's loved something that long and prized something that long no he wouldn't so how why do we think sometimes the god who has prized us from eternity past who has ordained that his son come to ransom us, ordained from eternity past, why do we think he will come into our life and start banging on us with a sledgehammer, not doing things that are good for us, but doing things that are hurtful? He, wouldn't. A human wouldn't do that, much less a perfect, good, sovereign God. He will give us all good things. So we know God is near, God is good, and one of the provisions of being in the word when you're suffering, God is enough. God is enough. He's close. He's good. And he is enough for my needs today. For all the needs I will ever have in my life. Psalm seventy-three twenty-five. The psalmist Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is nothing I desire on earth beside thee. Can you say that? Lord, there is nothing I desire on earth beside you. You are enough, more than enough, to satisfy all of my needs today and till I see you. In Psalm 48, 14, For this God is our God forever and ever. Okay? It's not changing. We are held in the hollow of his hand. This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide, even unto death. It doesn't get better than that, believer. (laughs) He's mine, and he will stick right with me and guide me safely home through whatever ordains. So the problem of pain, the provisions for pain, let me close briefly with the products of pain. What does it do? You know, it's not just for the moment. It's meant to accomplish something in us. What are some of the products of pain? for me I can speak for some of the immediate lessons as Moses said to the the children of God that God humbles us to know what's in our heart and that does happen with suffering and trials and some of the lessons that came to me were Stephen why are you following God why are you following him because of the wonderful family he's given you for the wonderful education the people who poured their lives into you for the, the provision you do have. You know, Stephen, why are you following me? Because that's going to depend a lot on continuing in the faith, right? As Paul had said. And so the sickness can kind of strip away everything else to get to your heart and to ask and to focus on, you know what, why are you following me? For me or for what I give you? because when he starts taking those things away from you the things he's given you you need to know why you follow him so another lesson and I shared it in verses is he enough am I satisfied with him alone am I satisfied with him when the income disappears or when the insurance doesn't pay or when the supplements you don't have enough money for the supplements that you should be taking is he enough And are we willing to say, you know what? I need nothing else. I'm satisfied. That's one of the lessons of it. And do you trust him? Do I trust him with pain? Do I trust him on those days you can't get up? Do you trust him on those updated appointments for pet scans, cat scans? Do you trust him? Whatever the outcome is, it's okay. And I can continue in the faith Because of what God does, what he is doing, what he's teaching me. And some ongoing lessons, learning to pray, kind of talked about that already. And I'm talking about prayer for true needs. There were a lot of years when I would pray for something and after about four days, if it didn't come, I'd I'd take out the credit card. And that's not a real prayer, actually. And God has put me in the place where, you know what, I could do that, but it's going to be bad. You know, I am praying, and there are things you just have to totally take your hands off and say, if it comes, thank you. If it doesn't come, thank you so much. Learning to pray. Looking unto Jesus. And here's the ultimate reason. Why can, how can we continue in the faith? Because we can look at Jesus. God didn't leave us alone. He sent his son who took on our condition our fallen condition in a fallen world with things like bacteria and parasites and cancer. God sent his son into this world in our condition. And yes, he was perfect, sinless. But the word became flesh and he did what? He dwelt among us. I mean, at some point, and most people, most Bible scholars will say it probably earlier in his life, Joseph, his adopted dad, died. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus suffered loss of a man that God had put into his life, that he had put Jesus into his life. He went through loss. So he understands loss, right? He went through persecution. He went through his own brothers not understanding and not believing. Even six months before the crucifixion, they didn't believe him. Probably it was after his resurrection that James, his brother, came to him so he went through division of family he went through rejection the people he came to save shouted crucify him Jesus I didn't choose my sins Jesus chose our condition so you know what we can keep going because we can come to him and say dear Jesus help me and you know what He, he knows and he can help and he will help he suffered he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities he took my place on the cross your place on the cross he chose that and let me ask you this are you Christian better than your savior do I come to him and say you know what I shouldn't go through this and we know that Jesus did are we any better should we expect different no and we have a Savior who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, who came in our condition. You know, another thing that helps us continue on in the faith, we know that one day, it may not be now, may not be in this lifetime, one day that suffering is going to be gone. Yes. And it's not for just a lifetime, it's not just for 10 years, it's for eternity. That there will be no pain. There will be no tears. There will be no sorrow. And we'll be with Him. The one who stooped to our condition has promised us a better condition. A suffering-less future. And so all of that makes it possible to say, okay, God, by your grace, with your help, with the Spirit's work, with your word, with the other things you provided for me, By your grace, I can continue in the faith. And we know that a Christian's days, our days are in a trustworthy hand. Our soul, you know what? The suffering may come, change our life, but our soul is safe, right? Jesus says in John 10, 28, for I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man, including myself, pluck them out of my hand. Our soul is secure. And our future is tearless. So Christian, Paul went to Lystra, Iconium, and he told the believers there, you know what, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to strengthen you to continue in the faith. That's the goal. But you know what, remember this, and this is part of the strengthening and the encouragement, that we must, through many trials, tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So be prepared, believer. God has given you everything you need for it. And if it comes, it is good. And when it comes, we are not alone. He's given us everything we need by his grace. If you would, please just bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, suffering is one of God's very good tools in our life. It strips away some of the stuff That we were loving too much it strips away our pride our self-reliance it strips away the view that you know what this is my life this is my path when no it's not he can do whatever he wants my days are not my own it strips away the unimportant things the thing I've started to love too much in this world one of the things of suffering it takes that right away Does God need to strip away pride, self-reliance? Does God need to strip away the thought that this is my life, my choice, my way? Does he need to strip away things that you love too much? These are all God's good results of his good tool of suffering. And you may not be suffering now, but you will suffer in this life. And God is saying to you, are you willing? And will you continue in the faith? And he has given us everything we need. So Christian, be prepared. Don't be delayed, derailed. And continue following a Savior who came into our condition and suffered our infirmities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our concept of you is so small. And so many times we define who you should be based on what we want instead of what is best and who you are. Lord, strip away what's necessary in our lives to draw us close, to draw us to prayer, to draw us to your word, to draw us to your heart. And thank you for the promise you have given us that you will withhold nothing good from us and that you are there, that you hear the the cries, the prayers of those who are suffering. Lord, we praise you and we ask you to accomplish your will in our lives, whatever it means. In Jesus' name, Amen.